Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Do or do not. There is no truth. You think that's air you're breathing in? Are you ready? Are you waking up? Because you're listening to the Urban Yogi Podcast with Will Blunderfield. Welcome back to the Urban Yogi Podcast. This is episode 87 with Mr. Jason Kristoff. My name is Will Blunderfield. I'm your host for the show, and I'm also the creator of the Wild Masculine Semen Retention Training over at willblunderfield.ca. If semen retention and the practices of sexual kung fu are new to you, I can highly encourage you to head over to willblunderfield.ca and check out my course. This is a proprietary blend of semen retention, superfoods, and sexual transmutation. I was at a baby shower last week, ran into some old friends, including my dear friend Kian over at the Stretch Space, and we were talking and we started to talk about this amazing man, Jason Kristoff and how Kian's taking one of his courses. Kian's been on the show, actually one of the first uh, episodes of the Urban Yogi podcast with his beautiful wife, uh, Carolyn. You can check that one out just by Googling uh, the Stretch Space uh, Urban Yogi podcast. But anyway, we were talking, and he was talking about how he was training with this amazing dude, Jason Kristoff. Now, I had come across Jason Kristoff through his podcast on SoundCloud this past summer, and I was enthralled by what he was saying Everything that he was sharing was resonating with me, and Kian and I both agreed that it would be epic to have Jason on the show, and he kindly agreed uh, to be on the show. And so this is, without further ado, episode 87 with Mr. Jason Kristoff. Jason Kristoff has developed a worldwide reputation as a self-sabotage coach who makes complex issues easy to understand for his clients. Jason discovered very early in his career after managing one of Canada's most successful weight loss clinics that health and self-sabotage were inherently connected. Jason is interviewed across the world every month, appearing on various podcasts and radio shows regarding his highly effective methods for overcoming self-sabotage, losing weight, and how to rise up to your full potential. Jason also leads by example for his clients using his immense experience learned when he overcame his own self-sabotaging behavior, which had driven him to the brink of disaster. Jason has written over 1,300 articles on a wide array of topics, all available here for free on his website. His website is courses.jchristoff.com. I'll include that in the show notes. Jason believes that not only can we save ourselves with effective coaching, we can also save our children our most important relationships, and our communities. I hope you enjoy this epic interview with Jason Kristoff. Awesome. So I am super grateful to be here with Mr. Jason Kristoff. And um, I first came across your work. Somebody had sent me your podcast episode on the monkeypox and the gay community. And how they're the first on the chopping block. And uh, it just, it really resonated with me. And I've sent it probably to like 100 people. And because it's nice and short, I think it's about a 20 minute episode. It's been really helpful for waking people up. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And um, we have a kind of a mutual friend, or at least one of my friends, Kian, who was in a men's group that I was in. Um, he's like, you got to get Jason on your show. And I was like, I would love to have Jason on my show. 
And I think Keen is doing one of your self-sabotage courses right now and he's loving it. Um, Good. And so I just wanted to ask you to start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in health coaching? Well, I was a health coach at one time and uh, well, let's go back a little bit more. I was a master saboteur. Okay. So I was had these programs inside of myself. I would get drunk and do drugs and party and wrap sports cars around telephone posts. And I pulled myself out of it a little bit, but not too, too much. But I didn't realize at the time that I was running these mind viruses, these programs that run in our subconscious that are inserted into us by the environment. I only found out later about those, but I did become a Czech certified health and exercise coach, try to get people healthy. And, you know, that's the top certification in the world. So I'd have all this great information and no one could get in shape. Uh, they were afraid, they were terrified to become better. But I found I was terrified to become better as well. So what was this sort of psychological programming or manipulation that were stopping people from being their best? And I phoned the Czech Institute and I said, look, I'm charging these people a lot of money nothing's, you know, they're terrified to become <laughs> lighter. They want to get lighter. Yeah. They want to lose weight or become healthier. And they sort of maybe get 30% there and then back away. They're terrified. They run in the other direction. They said, well, you don't know about psychological manipulation, brainwashing and mind control. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's in more like the additional courses down the road. They said, well, I'll give you some books on it. You can start trying to psychologically manipulate them to be better people and i said is that even possible and they said yeah it's because that's how that's how they became afraid to become better people and right. i said okay so i started to learn about these techniques psychological manipulation brainwashing mind control like nlp mm. and it i started to use a little bit of it on my clients it was really the only thing that worked mm. And it became so good that I could program them where they didn't need me to sort of be there and push them on the gym floor, follow up with them with the diet. And they just sort of went on their way, it became like a, something like a programmed robot to be better. And they didn't need me pushing them all the time. So I said, that's great. I worked myself out of a job, but maybe I'll uh, start doing this full time on the internet. And I started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, using a particular format I follow with people to basically reprogram them to be okay and comfortable with being healthier, wealthier, or having better relationships or anything like this. Mm. And then I, I became so busy, I thought I'm going to have to teach people. And, and that's where um, your friend is in my program. And it's a self international self-sabotaging coaching school where we teach people to be coaches so mm -hmm. they can use my process and move this work forward down the road. So that's where I am now. But when you learn about mind control and brainwashing and psychological manipulation, you'll learn a lot about the TV and the movies and the songs on the radio yes. and, and the government. And the mind viruses that I had about the cocaine and you know this is what life was supposed to be like this is what success was supposed to be like uh, you know the champagne and the hot tub and having a good time and mm -hmm. taking limousines that was all programmed into me and it was there sort of a dormant program just in, in case i became successful and i mm -hmm. did become financially abundant at a very early age of 24 years old and it triggered it where mm. they're trying like 
They'll program you to not succeed. And that gets about 90% of people. And then the 10 that do, they have programs for, for those, for people like me too, where they have another program that gets triggered. It's a dormant program that mm. when you become wealthy, you really ramp up the self-abuse or self-attack on yourself. Right. And so, so I've, people basically don't really follow me for self-sabotage. They like my stories where I uncover uh, the government psychologically manipulating different groups to hurt themselves. And that's what sort of my expertise is. That's so liberating. It's, it's really great. Like I, I probably personally have listened to the monkey pox episode that you did 20 times. (laughs) times. <laughs> it's so empowering, like some mornings and I, it's like, it's like, instead of listening to pop radio, I'll, I'll listen to that episode and it just gets me fired up. And it's, um, you're so right. It really is this sort of manipulation tactic protocol that the dominator system takes on or that puts on us. And, um, what motivated you to specialize in that sort of line of work? Um, it sounds like it was really a personal thing. Like it was your, you freeing yeah. yourself and then the desire to free others. Well, I get really offended when um, there's, I find there's a bunch of men in a small room trying to hurt a whole bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I find that uh, really offensive and really abrasive to basic morality and ethics. I mean, I've made the monkeypox um, podcast, but that's one out of 175 podcasts now mm-hmm. where I like it's super offensive to me that, yeah, there's this well-coordinated grid of lies that ends or like it's structured and it's organized. They sit down and they draw on a chalkboard in a boardroom. How are we going to hurt these people? And I'm like, I can't, I, I really say, and I want to warn the people that are getting attacked. Mm-hmm. And, and in that one, we focused on the gay community. And that one's really offensive. Mm-hmm. Just like all the attacks are offensive, but it had those similarities because it was the same groups using the same structure to attack a group they've attacked before. Right. And I'm like, we got to warn these people. Yes. And that's why I, I, I made that podcast. Like I make all my podcasts to say, this is the stuff you don't know what's going on. And I try to lay it out in a way where it's logical and rational. And the history is there that the gay community is, you know, a target from this sort of like this, it's almost like an energetic evil we're dealing with that you know, dresses up in different disguises, mm-hmm. but I, I find that extremely offensive. And if I can interfere with it, I will definitely interfere with it. Thank you for interfering with it. No, um, you're most welcome. It's, you know, I was um, going for a run and uh, this was in August. I think I probably just heard your episode on monkeypox because you released it in August of 2022. And that that's when the whole gay pride celebrations are in Vancouver. And I stay away, uh, far away uh, from those celebrations as I can because I was in that whole system and I was doing the cocaine, kind of similar story to you. Mm-hmm. And so it's just all these memories of that sort of pinched off, um, not authentic version of myself getting sucked into something that uh, isn't in my highest. So anyway, my friend calls me as I'm running. 
oh, I'm with my girlfriend down at Sunset Beach for the pride, you know, dance, come join us. And he's like, I know it's not really your thing, but my girlfriend really wants to meet you. So first I said no, but I thought, you know, I am kind of running by Sunset Beach. So I'll quickly go say hi and meet the girlfriend. Well, is there not a line for monkeypox vaccines stretching all around the beach of all these gay guys lining up? And uh, so I meet the girlfriend and she says, look at that. And I say, God, I just listened to a podcast episode about that. And she said it was so sad. There was this guy in the lineup kind of going, I don't want to get this shot, but I feel like it's my duty to get it because I'm gay. And uh, and she she could just hear him deliberating. And then his friends convinced him to get the shot and that there were people from the States who'd driven up to get their monkeypox shot in Vancouver because their uh, the supplies were low in Oregon or something. You know, and then I'm at Rec Beach. And is there not a monkeypox vaccine clinic in the forest where the guys are having sex? And so they're rolling up their sleeves, getting their shots, and then going and having sex. And it, it's uh, it's just super important to talk about these things because they, you know, some a lot of um, gay men that I speak with in the truther community are like, this is not an important issue. It's too divisive. I'm like, no, no. Like if we don't wake people up to the fact that germ theory is fraudulent, they're going to keep using the same playbook that, you know, as you said, there was the HIV warm up and then the convid, there's going to be another one if we don't wake up to this whole fraudulence of virology. Yeah. And you can see, I mean, the group pressure that you're talking about is the main foundation of what I teach in the self-sabotage coaching school. Mm -hmm. Every human has the subconscious mind, which loves us. That's the great thing about the subconscious. It loves us. Mm -hmm. It wants us to be safe and it has a protocol to make us safe. And the protocol is to look out into the environment and look for repetitive themes or messages. And the most repetitive messages are sort of all the messages are written down and there's a lot of attention paid to the repetitive messaging. Mm -hmm. because in the safety protocol, the repetitive messaging will reflect what the bigger herd is doing, thinking, or saying. And although it's not a guarantee, but if you can mimic what the bigger herd is doing, thinking, or saying, you bond with the bigger herd, it's easier, and then you become safer. Right. So the subconscious is really based on group dynamics and group pressure. And the people who are organ this, you know, these these men in the boardrooms organizing this attack on the gay community, they would use the same group pressure tactics on the gay communities they use on all the other communities, is because we all have this group-based behavior that we outsource our sort of decisions to because mm -hmm. it just sort of feels right. Right. And that can get us in a whole bunch of trouble where the you know, the logical and rational thought is not considered when group, when group behavior takes over. Right. And you can see what was happening there. You could even, you know, in your quotes, people were saying, I feel like I'm obligated to do it because I'm going to bond with the bigger group. And this is why, say, kamikaze pilots were organized by the Japanese government be it's, see, because this part of the brain can't think long term. So in terms of the Japanese kamikaze pilots, they said you can be part of the bigger herd, but you'll also be dead. Right. And so, the, I mean, the, the research on this is really firm, is that the group bonding is the top priority with no sort of long term consequence analysis as to what the bonding will cost you long term. Right. And this, this is what we call it kamikaze programming, because anybody 
going and getting and you can see how it fizzled off like the operation was over that some people most people weren't falling for it and they yeah. got as many as they could and that's what they do they just get as many as they can and i when i saw it was directed at the gay community i said this is has to be we have to warn the gay community they're targeting them specifically but yeah. they did that with the hepatitis i think it was the hepatitis b yeah. or it was a hepatitis vaccine that preluded precluded not pre uh, just came before mm -hmm. the hiv aids situation and they started making people sick and it was again they're targeting the gay community specifically which yes. I find extremely offensive. Gays, blacks, and Hispanics, I believe, for the hepatitis yeah. um, psyop rollout, for sure. Yeah, the, and if you go to the documentary, uh, The Killing Nurses, I think it's called Killing Nurses of the Third Reich. Mm. And, you know, I the title I don't like either because it was Killing Nurses and Doctors. Right. So whoever wrote, whoever made that documentary throw the nurses under the bus when it looks like they're trying to protect the top of the pyramid by mm. not putting the doctors in there. But in that, the Killing Nurses of the Third Reich documentary, you can get it on YouTube. It's got near 10 million views. You can see there the nurses were testifying. I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. That they're targeting the disabled, they're targeting minorities, and then right at the end, oh, they're targeting the gay community. And I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar because that is sort of the un the overtone of this group is how can we go at the same groups over and over again, disguising the attack from the newer generations, and they're very good at it. Very good at it. It's, yeah, it's uh surprising how many people get sucked into it and um you know as you say it's another opportunity for people to wake up absolutely this is yeah. like there's no more the veil is off i don't know what what that rock who that rock star was where he said eventually they just uh, don't play the movie anymore and take the curtains off the back uh, it was frank zappa said they take the curtains off the back wall and there's nothing there but a brick wall and you realize when the movie's over everything everything that they were creating as illusions you see so right. there's huge opportunities right now the veil is off and the veil yes. is off it's always internal the veil is off for anybody that's taking the shot it's a good opportunity to learn about group-based behavior group pressure psychological manipulation psyops and how they're used against the public because these people are so good at manipulating group pressure, they can make us do anything. If they can make us inject, uh, and literally, you know, no offense, it is poison, yeah. uh, inject poison under the skin, they're, they're capable of making us do anything. And anybody that went and got the monkeypox shot or any of these shots, the, the, you know, the psychological manipulation always ends with the person sort of testifying to themselves that it was their decision. And it, it's, you know, in these cases, when you're overriding your genetic self-preservation programming, it is not your decision. It is a manipulation of group pressure, which, of course, will come from the manipulation of repetitive messaging, because 85% of mind control is repetition. Right. And even that the um, they were rolling it out, even the... Um, 
the COVID shot. They were rolling it out in my community in Cornwall, Ontario. They called it health equity. They were rolling it out into the First Nations communities. Oh, and and I'm and you know, this is the thing, Will, is I never speak to anybody unless I'm spoken to. Like I could be at a party or a gathering, and you're not gonna know anything I do. I'm not gonna right. talk about anything I know or anything I do. But there was one uh, lady from the First Nations who was on my staff at the time. So, and she, I heard her, we're going to get our shots tomorrow. This was like nine, you know, two months or one month before it was allowed for other people. So she was getting right. psychologically manipulated that she was special, that the government had thrown them under the bus on, you know, for plans prior. And now it was her time to shine to, you know, when they were finally coming around to treat the native community the way they sh and i'm like this is another ambush they they're putting you first because they want to destroy they don't like you the most mm -hmm. and i tried to talk to her she you know took it because i was the boss mm -hmm. but then she complained to the staff later she went and got the shot her uncle got the shot and he died mm. and i'm pretty sure now she knows i was right but does it yeah. does it matter right this sort of psychological operation was designed to get into a situation where it's not going to matter later if you find out you were wrong. It's it's under your skin and you can't suck it back out with the same syringe that right. put it in. So, and then the same thing I saw with the gay community with, uh, they said the health equity. And I did see there were some commercials or promotions, or I saw one particular group, a, a nice chorus, like a harmonic uh, group of people in the gay community. That. Yeah. Singing, about sort of get the shock, get vaccinate, the shot. Vaccinate, <laughs> make your appointment. Right. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and I'm like, because uh, every time someone gets hurt, and I know I should never do this as a truth tell, I take it as a personal failure on my part. Because I like to save everybody, but I know I can't. Right. And when I saw that, I was like, someone's going to watch this commercial. And if anybody, what's great is say the, the black community, and I have a great, uh, article on the black community that is so long because I just have every citation about the government abusing the black community but the black vaccination rates were the lowest and I'm like yes yes absolutely and um yeah but they were they were completely after these these groups again and I was just hoping yeah that's why I made that podcast just trying to warn people because it was the same it was basically the same attack um, and if you did get sick from, I mean, if you go back to the HIV AIDS situation, they were testing people with the, it was the ELISA and the Western blot and also the RT-PCR. Now, if right. anybody, it doesn't matter if anybody knows the fine details of these testing protocols, mm -hmm. they, they can't test for anything. Right. They're sort of random number generators. So during the HIV AIDS uh, situation, it was the same scheme. And oddly enough, and I was shocked when I found this, oddly enough, it was ran run by Anthony Fauci. And I'm like, yeah. you got, you have to be joking me <laughs> that it's the same guy mm -hmm. with the same script. And so when someone would fail for HIV and you could take the HIV test, 
whether it's the RT-PCR, Western blot, or the ELISA, you can take it to certain different times during the day, and sometimes you get a positive, and sometimes you get a negative, and there's a great documentary called The House of Numbers. Yes, I know the director here in Vancouver, Brent Long. Yeah. It's a f- fabulous documentary. Yeah, and he really goes over, there's a bit of a aroma there of attacking uh, germ theory too, because... Uh, that French virologist says, yeah, they're not really viruses. If you eat really well, they just go away. And I'm like, yeah, hold, hold on a second. That yeah. doesn't mean they're viruses. And he's not- the one who, who supposedly co-discovered the virus, Luc Montagnier. He, he yeah. himself said that, you know, it's, you, you won't become chronically infected as long as you've got access to good, clean N- drinking water and food. And nutrition. And nutrition. And, and so that, <laughs> they did show that some people in that documentary taking the tests for HIV and like, you know, they took it on a Sunday, they're, they're negative, they're negative, they're positive, they take it the day after and they're negative and, they're, mm-hmm. they're, and you can see how scared they were yeah. because of the propaganda. Oh, and yeah. then when they would have in the same thing with the RT-PCR with the COVID. Yeah, if and, you, and if it you, depends on the country you test in too, because there's no gold standard for HIV testing. Right. So you could test positive in Canada and test negative in Russia. Right. And the, the part of the allies in the Western blot is like a questionnaire. And it asked you, it asked you, are you part of the gay community? Exactly. If, oh, God. how is that even like, it shouldn't even be on there. And yeah. then if you, if you say yes, you're more prone to get a positive. And I'm like, exactly. well, that's not a test. This doesn't make any sense. But the people that would falsely be labeled as HIV positive would be corralled into the AZT. And the AZT was a black box cancer drug. Now, black box, it was, let me go back a bit. It was a cancer drug that was tested that, if I remember correctly, from Liam Sheff's book called Official Stories, I believe when they tested it, it killed absolutely every research, uh, every test animal. Didn't do mm-hmm. it on humans, I don't think. So it killed every test animal. They said, it's just pure poison. We can't use this at all. So they, they put it on a shelf. It's it's fatal, almost yeah. 100% of test animals. And then somehow Fauci grabs that off the shelf and says, this is going to be our treatment for people that are HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And so black box warning just means it, it can kill you. And so, and then when people would come in sick, and they, you know, I went over some of the people that were testing sick, uh, like HIV positive to start, they were, you know, they weren't taking care of themselves. Exactly. And they were like, we're really sick. And in, in modern medicine, they're like, well, you know, eating, you don't have to eat, right? Exactly. <laughs> Fauci went on TV and said, amyl right. nitrates do, they're, they're totally fine. Keep sniffing your poppers, which for the audience is a drug that many uh, gay men, even up in today's uh, day and age use, like I was hiking in the forest, I saw this group of men having an orgy, sniffing the poppers, Uh, Fauci went on TV said those are totally fine for your immune system. And it's like, come on, guys, it's like putting your nose up to a car exhaust pipe, like wake up. Yeah, and it would it would. And that wasn't the only thing they were doing, they were doing heroin and everything. Right. And this was like a very small section of the gay community, but they're coming in very ill. Yes. And then and they're develop like they're showing an illness that isn't sort of there's illnesses and then they're up for three days partying, doing poppers and coke. There's a different sort of illness that presents pretty severe. 
Exactly. And then they're so, and then like, oh, this is a new disease. No, it wasn't, but it was mm. planned the whole time. Say it's a new disease, use a fake test. Yeah. Test them positive, corral them to the AZT, which would kill, like murder. I When I say kill, I just mean murder. Murder these people that don't know this is a psychological operation. And then over the dead bodies, these black magic sorcerers come in and say, this is how bad AIDS HIV is. Look, it's killing these people, but it was AIDS, uh, you know, it was AZT. Yes. And also there was another drug P something. I I can't remember the name of it. It's in Dr. Kelly Brogan, Andrew Kaufman, Torsten Engelbrecht et al's uh, is HIV to AIDS. What SARS-CoV-2 is to the coronavirus or to COVID. And um, because people will say, like, I talk to elderly gay men and they say, well, Will, if if you're saying that all the gay men died of AZT, what about all the gay men that I knew before AZT was available? Well, there were other experimental drugs being used. For example, Freddie Mercury, not only was he given AZT, but before that, there was this other drug that was even worse that he was being pumped full of. Right. So I believe it was the combination of the poisoning with the what we call the placebo effect, right? The pointing the bone that the Aboriginal tribes in Australia would do. They, if they didn't like somebody, if somebody committed a crime, you are dead to us. Literally just the power of belief, they would die right. within a few days. So it's a, yeah. I think it's a combination of the, the self-fulfilling prophecy of being labeled, you're going to die in two months by somebody in a white lab coat combined with the poisoning. Yeah, that's called the, you know, the white lab coat effect. And but if you get put into this system, this hospital system anyway, if you read Dr. Carolyn Dean's book, uh, her name is Dr. Carolyn Dean, her book, you will see that just going into the hospital, you're going to have a good chance of getting more sick. Mm-hmm. The protocol, it doesn't matter who goes into the hospital, what they're doing to me, the food there is not there to sustain you. A lot of people don't know the IV bags are laced with aluminum. Why would an IV bag be laced with aluminum, really? Why is there aluminum in IV? Doesn't make any sense. It's a neurotoxin. Exactly. And this is what's come out, you know, fast forward to today. There was... um, there's documents found by a paralegal in New York City. I've posted this video many times on my Christoph report. If anybody wants to get that, I'm not plugging. No, do uh, no plug away. Name. Yeah. If anybody wants to get on my email list and get the Christoph report where we can put out information and not get censored yet, email yes. me at jason at freedomfromselfsabotage.com and I'll just put you on the email list. But this this lady came out and said, these hospitals during COVID, and I said, okay, during COVID, but before COVID, I added that myself. Yes. But the hospitals with the remdesivir, which is an is like an AZT style uh, termination, uh, midazolam, uh, there was the ventilators. Inside the documents, the D- Department of Defense labeled that the hospitals were part of the kill box in inside military lore or military definitions, a kill box is an area where you don't have to phone a superior to make the kill. Mm. But outside the kill box, you're not allowed to kill without permission. You have to wait and say, can I have permission to shoot? Inside the kill box is full permission to kill at will, and there'd be no repercussions. And in the Department of Defense documents, they're saying these hospitals are kill boxes. 
Oh my God. And I'm, and I'm like, Oh, that, that makes sense because they've always been kill boxes. And that's what, this is the thing about the veil. The veil is off. Whatever we're seeing now, it's always been there. People like you and I, we can sort of see by the veil a little bit more, like we have a bit of x-ray vision, but now the veil's off completely. These, mm -hmm. these, these, these things we call hospitals that were invented by the Knights Templar, the hospitalers, this is a secret society that in invented all these hospitals, they're not there to make us healthy. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking... Uh, Lionsgate Hospital in in North Van. The the food, the food is like cheesecakes and Jello. Like at my my poor grandmother as she was dying, they were feeding her like shitty milk and oh, it was really bad. It was really bad. It is, and it's the and the thing is, a lot of people now used to sort of write it off as you know, there's a budgetary restraint and you know, they're a bit behind on the science and they could really, they really want to feed people healthy, but they can't because of this restriction or it's a coincidence or it's a misunderstanding. There is no misunderstandings here at all. They know mm -hmm. pasteurized milk kills people. They know wheat kills people. They yeah. know the red dye number two and the jello kills people. Yeah. It's a kill box. Totally. And my friend is an animal rights lawyer for the audience. Uh, and she said in can she's for Canadian animals. She said in Canada, the dairy industry is allowed to have a certain amount of bleach and pus in the milk products because the udders become so inflamed and uh, secreting all of these mucousy substances into the milk because the suction cups are on so long that they have to literally bleach the milk so that it looks palatable. So you're basically feeding the hospital patients pus and bleach. Yeah, and there, there's so much, like the veil's off now, but if you go to a, um, a documentary called The Corporation, and that came out about 20 years ago, and there was an interview with a Fox News, a couple of Fox newscasters that were given their own show. And there was something, a, a hormone, I think it was made by Monsanto, if I remember it correctly, but it would make um, milking cows give milk twice as long, but it also gave the people who drank the milk cancer. <laughs> And it got approved in the U.S., of course, and then they tried to come over to Canada. And there was one scientist in Health Canada that blew the whistle. They fired him right away. Mm. And uh, he, he's passed away now. And uh, But his testimony is inside the, that milk portion of the documentary, The Corporation. Mm. And it doesn't matter what we're really talking about here. The HIV AIDS thing with the AZT, the fake tests. This is about acceleration of death. Mm -hmm. But we could also go to the Teflon, right? If you go to the yeah. uh, the DuPont documentary called The Devil We Know. Yes, like I watched any, that. Yeah. Anybody with the nonstick Teflon pens, it's, it's not a mistake. It's there to poison you and your family. Mm -hmm. The pesticides that they spray on the non-organic crops, you are the pest they're trying to get rid of. They don't care about bugs. They don't care. Well, they kind of care about killing many things, but they mm -hmm. want to hurt and maim and destroy human potential is their one of their main goals. So there's so many modality. I don't want anybody focusing on one modality. It doesn't matter really what we're talking about. If it's normalized, and it was normalized for me, the drinking, 
is normalized in all the movies. So I had a lot yeah. of repetitive content. If we go back to how you can psychologically manipulate someone to hurt themselves, rep repetition is key. Totally. So as we're growing up, I would have saw all these movies and TV shows with alcohol in them, cigarettes, people partying you know, with the big chains. I'm like 50, I'm like 53 years old. <laughs> oh, you look so, great. So, oh, I'm, I'm okay. It shows in my eyes because I've had so much damaging uh, chemicals <laughs> in my body. My body looks okay. Uh -huh. But but the fact is, um, you know, this is how, this is why I drank. This is right. why I did drugs, because my subconscious mind said, with no long-term thinking of the consequences, it would just sort of look at its list. It compiled and said, for things to do on a Friday night, I have m the most repetitions in this category, which is drinking and doing this thing called partying. And then I'm going to manipulate you to do that in order to be safe. Now, people don't understand that this following effect is automatic much like a heartbeat or or a cut healing i'll give you like a real life example in 2001 there was a movie called gone in 60 seconds with angelina jolie and nicholas cage and right. it was a movie about car theft so when you're sitting in the movie theater and if you know this part of the brain like i do and i don't know it as much as the people who rule us but i know quite a bit but when you're sitting in the movie theater this part of the brain doesn't know the difference between real time screen, what's on the screen and imagined thought. Mm -hmm. They're all the same. And it's writing down this list all the time, trying to assess what tribe you're in and what are the best customs for you to mimic in order to fit in. So this movie about car theft was pretty repetitive. Um, Nicholas Cage was an ex-car thief and his brother had trouble with a local thug and uh, they were going to kill Nick Cage's brother if Nick Cage didn't come out of retirement and steal a hundred cars, I think it was in 48 or 24 hours. And that would, you know, break the contract and the brother would be saved. Mm. And although they didn't visually show a hundred thievings of the car, they did show about 25 and that's really repetitive. That's going to get the, the, the tension of this part of the brain so what happened is that in Burnaby, BC, Canada, after Gone in 60 Seconds was released in the movie theater, car theft went up 70% in the first four days. Oh my God. And if you would have interviewed anybody in the cinema lobby and said, do you believe a movie with repetitive content about X, Y, and Z, do you think it could modify your behavior to mimic, copy, and emulate it? And they'll be like, no way. I'm too smart for that. I'm my own person. But this effect was felt all over, over the world. Gone in, um, there was Fast and the Furious. Everybody got a Honda Civic. Everybody got those loud mufflers. Everybody, some people got lights under the car. Everybody wanted to be Vin Diesel and Paul oh, yeah. Walker. Um, this is this is how repetition rules our lives. Even the um, show Queen's Gambit on Netflix was about a drunk uh, chess player. She was a pill popper too. No one talks about the pill popping and the drunkenness that was repetitive that would yeah. have programmed the viewers to mimic that. But chess sales went on, went up on Amazon about, I think it was a 7,000% in the first week. Oh my God. And it makes right. me think of like RuPaul's drag race, you know, uh, certain it's, it's, it's very interesting. A lot of people I know who identify as gay watch that show 
And now they're starting to talk like this, honey, and they're kind of being bitchy and queen, please. And then you look at the videos that people have taken of, you know, drag queen story time and the little girls are dancing for money and they're kind of being like RuPaul. And, you know, it's just all this cattiness and bitchiness. And it's directly caused by, as you're saying, this re repetition from the media, from these uh, movies and television shows. Yeah, the, the base human psychology is pretty simple. Monkey see, monkey do. And uh, if we mimic what we think the bigger herd is saying, thinking or doing, if we mimic it, it means uh, we're safer. Mm -hmm. And as you can see with the Gone in 60 Seconds issue or the Queen's Gambit, and there's many other things in that category. This is automatic. Like you mm -hmm. don't really have uh, a say and nothing could be a better example of this. If someone goes to YouTube and puts in Max Major, now he's a mentalist. He's very good. Max Major. AGT, which stands for America's Got Talent and semi-final. So Max oh, Major, AGT. Yeah. Oh, so I watched this in your um, self-sabotage uh, prelude maybe. course. Yeah. Right, right. And so you, you, this guy comes up and repetition just means you're going to mimic it. It's going to be um, outside your conscious awareness. And someone like Howie's a bit easier to hack because he's worth about $60 million. Richer people think there's no way I could be hacked. That's why I'm rich. I'm so much smarter than anybody else. So he's really a sitting duck. Right. And Max Major has a prelude to his show. And <clears throat> during the prelude, he puts repetitive content mm -hmm. that like, but not out in the open, sort of in the corner over here and in the corner over there. But this funny, loving part of the brain that really wants us to be safe is, you know, furiously writing down the repetitive things that it sees. And then what Max Major had riddled through the background was a sun symbol. Mm -hmm. And then he asked Howie to close his mind, his eyes, which is which triggers a lot of things that help the programming come to the surface. I explained that in my 2022 talk, but basically he did close his eyes and he said, Howie, I want you to picture a billboard and there's an image on the billboard and, and I want you to remember it and then open your eyes. Do you have the image in your mind? And Howie says, yes. And he, Max Major says, Howie, could you draw it on the piece of paper? and then turn it over and how he does it. And then Max Major goes to an envelope that he sealed like four hours before the show began. And he goes and opens it. And then he turns his piece of paper around and says, Howie, did what you draw, was it like this? And how he's losing his mind. He says, oh, yeah. he goes, it's exactly what I drew. I drew the sun. He drew a sun symbol. So all Max Major did was riddle the sun symbology throughout his prelude talk before it was a recorded talk that he played for the audience and Howie before he got on the stage. So he had like impregnated only six, it was only six symbols of the sun. And that forced Howie to draw the sun in order to really bond with what the subconscious might only call a sun tribe or a sun village or a sun town or, mm -hmm. or a government that honors the sun. And that's all he was really trying to do outside his conscious awareness was to bond with the repetitive cues. And it was only six cues. And right. the reason I was drinking and doing drugs, Will, is because I saw a lot more cues than six. Yes. I saw like maybe 60,000. And that's yeah. why the, the more repetitive the messaging, the harder the programming is to break. Totally. I'm, 
So, so the thing that like surprised me most about that example of Max Major is like how few examples of subliminal messaging you need to program somebody. Yeah, and, you, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Will. Finish well, and then up. you're and then you're saying your example is like you were exposed to that times you know a hundred thousand. Same here. You know, it's like no wonder there's been a dumbification of the masses. We are so programmable. <laughs> We're definitely programmable and you could you can program humans in this way, but but it doesn't have to be bad. Like right. programming repetitive hacking of what we call the subconscious mind pathway, it can be positive. So when I program people, I do it, I mean, I do the same programming <laughs> that they're using, hacking this part of the brain, overriding, you know, the subconscious programming through positive repetition. And so people go in the right direction. So it's it's a tool. Yes. It's a tool being used against us. And it's being used really negatively. It's being used to it's being used to kill people. And if you go back in the ancient world, this is where these ideas came from. Just to let you know, there was a sort of a battle in Egypt from the research I've done between every all the sort of ruling groups knew of this technology to control repetitive content it didn't have to be a tv mm. it was just about about basically without the tvs in the ancient world it had to be government announcements at the agora like the town square that's how right. they would that's where how they would that was the newspapers of the time and so public make, hangings probably too like yeah, if well somebody that, stepped out of line they're going to hang them in the town square right so that would be the netflix of the day the terror the panic <laughs> And so, yeah, when you scare people, they're easier to uh, bend to the repetitive content right. and stop thinking. Which so is, by the way, still happening in Iran. People are being hung left, right, and center right now. Yeah, that's how you Thanks. supposedly, I mean, if you're this ruling group, this punishment effect will say, like, this is what you're going to get if you go against the repetitive content. Like, say, the doctors in Canada, mm -hmm. like Dr. Trozzi, uh, yeah. Dr. Malthouse, they're getting attacked for telling the truth. And then they make it yes. really public. So it's the same. It's basically, like I was going to say, there was an ancient sort of war between two priest class. One priest class wanted to use this to enhance the society, to make people more moral, more ethical, stronger, healthier, more invention, more innovation. And one sect of the priest class said, well, we could just beat them down and then not only beat them mm. down but beat them down just with enough repetitions and then we, we step back and because this is the not the funny part but this is what people have to realize is that if i abuse you for a certain amount of reps that's be, that becomes what you believe you deserve right and then if i back up and sort of leave your geographical zone, it's shown that the repetitive pattern that I keep talking about, it's in your programming. So you start beating yourself down. It's almost like you took the baton from your abuser and then you're beating yourself down, which is what we see in many abuse victims. Like they could have been raped or assaulted when they were young. It might've only happened one time. And then the feelings that were repetitive from after the rape or after the assault are like low vibrational shame and guilt and then you find them they they have big geographical distance between them and their assaulter and then they're living on their own 
And then the program that's running is always about finding situations that recreate the same repetitive pattern in their lives emotionally. Yes. And, this and the is alcohol they, just fuels it. The alcohol would just basically make you... Alcohol weakens the point where you can never pull out of your trauma if you were traumatized. Mm. So you need this massive amount of strength. I, I don't I don't really know what, what place we live on, but I guess to get out of the gravitational pull and get into orbit, you need this massive amount of energy, right? You need this, um, it's a special acceleration rate to break the gravitational pull. It's pretty fast. To get out and of I, the addiction and, and the self-defeating uh, behaviors. Right. So I tell yeah. people, look, if you're traumatized, you just really start, understand, have faith in your body. And you have faith in your system to neurologically digest what happened to you. Like, like we, we poop out our feces because we're digesting the food. We can actually poop out our trauma. We have an emotional digestive system for a detox system for, for memories we don't need nor want, but there's ways of dealing with them, but you have to be clean. You have to feel the pain. Like if you're stepping on a, on a, a nail, well, you could step off the nail. That's a pretty good solution. Or you could take um, 10 Tylenol a day and the nail stays there. You don't even feel it. Mm -hmm, right. And then it just gets worse, right? You get gangrene and massive infection crawling up the leg. So I tell people, feel your pain. Yeah. Feel the pain. And that's why health is a number one sort of enemy of the state as well. It's all intertwined. It's like a parts of a watch. There's 150 yeah. parts to a watch, right? They all work together to tell the time. That's why, yeah, it's multi-pronged uh, attack on us. This yeah. is why they're poisoning all our food and, you know, health people are bad. And it's always about decreasing our health because yeah. we're so powerful. We can get beyond whatever trauma they throw at us, but we need to be clean to digest it. And we don't poop it downwards. We, we digest our emotions and they float outside our crown chakra. Cool. That's yeah. yeah that's why I do an hour at least of breath work every day. I stopped mm -hmm. drinking in May of 2020 best decision ever. And I stopped, I stopped doing the whole coffee thing. I still do um, green tea. Um, and I find, I guess the theanine component with the caffeine, it's a different sensation completely for me than, than what I was feeling on coffee. Coffee was just like, totally not good for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. And th these things, I mean, this is what they call the fifth generation warfare. If anybody wants to look it up on Wikipedia, Wicca stands for witchcraft, but anyway, that's how they pronounce it. <laughs> Wikipedia. Wikipedia. But if you go to Wikipedia and look up fifth generation warfare, it will tell you that it's a type of war based on psychological manipulation and, and getting you to go to war with yourself and then giving you the tools, or I call the whack-a-mole mallets, to right. smash yourself over the face, but then programming you to do that, to smash yourself over the face. Right. So what we call Starbucks or the liquor store in Canada, I mean, they're like Taj Mahal's now. You walk in, I feel like I'm in a theme park of yeah. self-abuse. <laughs> That's what, I, that's what I feel the, like. The BC uh, signature liquor store is now. It's like, yeah, like Disneyland. Like, <laughs> yeah. So what we're in, and I know they just legalized hard drugs up to a certain amount in BC. Yeah. The government has given someone a license to produce and distribute cocaine in British Columbia. Yeah. 
And there's reasons why they're doing it on the West Coast. But beyond that, I would like people to understand that everything from the Teflon pan to the liquor store to Starbucks, which was bought by Bill Gates out of bankruptcy in 1987. Why does the Gates family want coffee shops? It's because these are all megatoxins. Yes. And these are the tools of these are the whack-a-mole mallets and they are littered mm. through your community. So as someone watches Netflix and expects uh, the North Koreans to j- jump, drop down, like in the movie Red Dawn, when I was a kid, it was actually Patrick Swayze and the Russians. They just changed the actors. <laughs> and people are waiting for the conventional warfare, which is not coming. Right. So this is why fifth generation warfare had to be invented by people who dominate us and and benefit from our slavery is they said the slaves are really on to us with the fake wars and the barbed wire and the bayonets and the the missiles. They really get up and fight. Is there any way we can decimate them um, without without them noticing or reacting and so we'll send a mcdonald's kentucky fried chicken the liquor store the weed shops everything like that and make sure throw in the programming in the media and the government policies and the tv shows and the movies organize the repetitive content where they they want coffee they want liquor they want to smoke and let them kill themselves we'll walk right in we don't have to fire a shot and if you go down to certain areas of bc and seattle and la and oakland you'll see that this fifth generation warfare model is in full effect yes and it's not just done on the masses it's literally done on government officials as you were saying in the monkeypox episode it's like the scorpion and the swan story the scorpion's nature is to sting and they're going to kill their own yeah as well which is the crazy thing it's this weird cult it is it's it's a weird thing but i mean you could look at dr Macus, which is one of the other doctors kind of being held up and say you don't want to be like him right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, but he came out on his Substack and showed that I think I think the tally now is 104. It's over 150, I believe, of Canadian medical doctors that have died suddenly that had no ailments. And again, it's the doctors through their in you know their education have been made so dependent on the system. And that's part of the fifth generation warfare. I mean, it's dependency. Yeah. Like the the paramedic doesn't know how to grow his own food or doesn't know how to start an online business. He's it's all he knows. I mean, that's why they get you focused. Like, what's your specialty? What's your major? Because like the paramedic is all he knows. And say the doctor is not only all he knows, but if he went to the into the real world and came into a group like us and said, look, I can poison you. How much, you know, how much remuneration are we going to get back for that? I'm going to say, you're going to get zero from logical people because we don't want you to poison us. We want you to make us better. Mm -hmm. So the the medical doctors are not only dependent on the system. They don't have any skills you can transfer over to the real world. So they, yeah, this weird cult, the 150 medical doctors that we're talking about, God rest their souls, they injected poison into themselves because that was one of the cult customs. Exactly. And yeah, and that ties into the Teflon. It ties into the uh, 
the emasculization of males because a society full of big strong alphas is a threat to that system and when your balls are intact you just think better when your gut is intact and not filled with atrazine and glyphosate you're able to think better and you have more self-approval and self-acceptance and self-love to not take the bait and so it's like um i mean i work with men and i i my three sort of prongs of helping men get out of the matrix are superfood nutrition and detox sexual kung fu and semen retention right and it's amazing like since i started detoxifying from glyphosate and atrazine i went from thinking oh i'm a hundred percent only into males to now it's like oh that's a beautiful woman it's so interesting that the procreative urge has increased in my being since doing things that would i would say make me more potent Right. And then and people say, well, you're a homophobe, but you're a transphobe for saying that. And no, no, no. I'm just expressing my experience. There's nothing wrong with same sex sexuality, but isn't it interesting that many of my clients and myself included have experienced an increase in a procreative urge since getting the atrazine out? Yeah. And this is whoever we are, we're going to be able to kind of tune into that frequency easier if we're clean. Like I wasn't the cocaine, um, rude, you know, and all kinds of bad characteristics came to me. It was almost like this vibrational entity was inside me. And I don't like oh, speaking yeah. like that because you sound like, I don't know, you don't sound scientific and you got to sound no. scientific in our science cult. But when I would drink, there was a point where at about two drinks, I go really dark. Oh yeah, me too. And I would get a little violent, a little overly sexual. Um, you know, the fights would always start with the drunk groups or after 12 o'clock. And I'm like, hold on a second. Could there be, and I wrote an article on this that, I don't know, it's got like three or 4 million views, but um, I wrote an article. I said, like, could we be lowering our vibration for some kind of dark demonic spirit to take us for a joyride? Because that's certainly my experience. It feels like something else is driving me around something yeah. like low IQ, overly sexual, over overly violent. And I'm like, this, whatever is driving me around, it's not a good thing. It just, it doesn't no. feel good. And that's why I started to get off everything. I used my own processes and it took me about two years to fully clean myself up. Cause in self-sabotage coaching, we measure our duration outside or uh, outside or addictions as the successful sort of metal that we get the longer longer durations you have away from your addiction if you go back we still consider that a victory and it happens to everybody totally but event eventually you can get outside the addiction and then you're in full control of it yes which is the, the the ultimate and it does take a year or two years but you can get there and it's better to start today I 100% agree. Same story with me. I broke free or I thought I had broken free of cocaine in 2016. Then a stressful situation happened. I hung out with the old crowd, did it one night. Then I broke free for about another six months. Then I was doing my Kundalini yoga teacher training. That was great. But then one night I relap relapsed, went back to it. But yeah, it's just like you can't beat yourself up when you fall off the bandwagon because that the guilt and the shame, the beating yourself up actually leads to doing it again. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the school programming. Like we carry the school programming that a fail, a failure or, or, or a step back requires punishment, an F. 
right? And, and that's not the case. That's the, everybody is so hard on themselves to give themselves a pass or fail where they don't know that like 12 years in the government indoctrination camp has, these are the mo the, the insidious programs because they lay in the background. You, you got to be really good to see them with yes. this punishment. You felt, you know, you got back on the Coke after six months, but the victory is six months out. I mean, you cannot yeah. quit beating yourself up in a society that encourages, encourages us all the time to beat ourselves up. You can't just, break free and break free and snap the elastic no it has to be over time and i tell people that's a complete victory because i haven't seen anybody else do it in any other way totally and that's why you need a coach like somebody like jason or for me it was an, an ex-girlfriend who also used to have trouble with coke and other drugs and i was able to confide in her when i did relapse or go back to the coke and uh she she didn't judge me she gave me a protocol, you know, she said, go do this and do this sauna. And she was very loving. And because she had been there, it gave me the impetus to, to do what she said, not beat myself up. And now I've been sober from cocaine for five years. Yeah. And, and that, that's the complete victory. When I work one-on-one -on -one with people, I give them all the tools to get where they need to go for the repetitive programming in the right direction. And I, I explain the solutions that it takes time. I even give them an audio I call in case of emergency break glass. <laughs> so I tell them, we call it the self-sabotage tool shed. And I said, you will return to the tool shed to your favorite modalities of whack-a-mole mallets and smashing yourself over the face to feel less than average and mediocre where you feel safe, but don't stay in the shed and just venture out again and try and get that longer and longer duration out of the shed. But I, I say, that. if you're in the shed for more than 36 hours, please go to my audio in case of emergency break glass. So I also have a pep talk to really light a fire under them to get them out of the shed if they ever found themselves caught in there. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> funny. It's a, They're always pretty sharp and pretty funny. And they're made for each client uh, personally. So it, it's really, it's really a it has a good effect because they can come back and connect with me, hear material that no one's ever heard. And it kind of ricochets them back out of the shed pretty quickly. That's beautiful. And perhaps yeah. our souls chose to go through that so that we can help people out. Because like, it, had we not been through our own addiction periods, we wouldn't know what it's like at all or how to help people out of it. Yeah, you so. have to have pain to know what love is you can't have one without the other. So I had enough pain in my life. I said, there has to be another way. So uh, I got shown huge amounts of pain and just said, I can't do that anymore. It's too painful. And I just started eating better. And I said, Oh, this feels better. Yes. So I felt both. And I go where I go in the direction that felt better, you know, clean water, stretching, exercise, getting to bed on time, organic food, I have my own programming. Um, I have my uh, sort of uh, audios that I, I've had my friends make for me. So I try to keep the repetition positive because mm -hmm. I have the same brain as everybody else. I'm not special. Right. And I have to load up on the repetitive content. It's always in the direction I want to go at the time. Sometimes yeah. the direction changes. Sometimes I need help with relationships. I'll do pause relationship uh, imprints and a lot of messaging in that area. And if I want to be wealthy, wealthier, I'll, I'll up ramp and upregulate in that area, try to get some better business ideas, let my let my subconscious know it's safe to go to that next level.
Nice. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you help your clients overcome self-sabotage and develop healthier habits? And that sounds like some of the the good meat of your your programming. Your program. Yeah, I just I just basically I explain it to them with <clears throat> basically I have consultations with them. My coaches have consultations with them, and we have two very intensive videos they have to watch before they come and meet with us. And of course, they have this. 120 point questionnaire that will expose where they're self-sabotaging and what's the pattern running in their subconscious. But just those two videos alone, people have watched the two videos and wrote us and said, that was, that was worth the money all on its own. I had no idea the TV could do that. The movie screen could do that. My radio song could do that. My magazines, I had no idea. I didn't know any of this. I didn't know my brain worked like this. I didn't know I acted like this. This is completely insane. I can't wait for the one-on-one. And it gets people really revved up that I like letting them know you're getting conned. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I don't want, I don't care who you are. I don't want you getting conned at all. Amen. Amen. It sounds very similar um, sort of philosophy to the Kundalini yoga lineage. And, and as many, as much of there is a dark side with that lineage, it has kept me sober from cocaine. They talk about how Kundalini yoga is the yoga of awareness. It's about self hypnosis. They talk about how, yeah, the pop radio songs is like, I'm not enough on my own. They're tuned to 440 Hertz, which is grading on the nervous system. So in Kundalini yoga, we usually play 432 Hertz and we chant mantras, you know, about basically about self love being the only love. And, um, yeah, I, I have noticed in my life since I've started to replace, like, I don't have enough money. I'm fat. I'm not good enough. I'm an addict with higher vibrational mantras. Like, you know, the Mool mantra from Sikhism, Ekankar Satanam. Like I'm usually constantly chanting a mantra in my mind as I'm walking down the street. When I went to see Avatar, I was like, oh shit, I could tell this was programming. So I was like chanting some Sikh mantras. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to go to the mainstream movies anymore. This is, I, I could, there was something really weird, like a three hour movie about these blue alien people. It, it was so violent. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, I really feel like all of the the change that has accrued in a positive direction has been through kind of like a self-hypnosis protocol. Yeah, because we have a choice. It's the only choice we have. We can hypnotize ourselves or we can let them hypnotize us. Mm. And if you let them hypnotize you, you're going to be, you'll have job focus, nothing wrong with having a job, Mm -hmm. but you know, it would be better if you had a side hustle and, and worked your way out of it. Like more independence is always good. You'll have these things that you consume that you were programmed to think are benign with like alcohol and caffeine so you ha- that's the choice. You're you're going to either be hypnotized into their system or and be sort of damaged and depressed and disempowered, or you can program yourself with self-hypnosis in a positive direction. And you can sort of live in your own reality where mm-hmm. you're happier, you're more empowered, everything feels good, and you're not running from one fire to another in your own life. That's beautiful. Amen. And would you say, like, personally, do you drink any sort of, uh, for example, like a yerba mate sometimes, or are you completely like no black tea, no green tea, nothing? I don't, uh, for me, I never really like the teas. There will be a times where, um, let's say for alcohol, I quit. There was, it took me two years to quit. And then I did nine years without even sipping alcohol. And then now, because I know I'm in full control of it, I, the only thing I will accept, like, say if my friend comes up to me, this is the best martini I've ever had. 
will you take a sip? I used to say no and sort of irritate them. And now I kind of put it to my lips and say, oh yeah, that's fantastic. Right. So that that's when you're, you know, you're in full control as for say caffeine, I might have an espresso one time a year, two times a year. Hmm. And basically when I go back, I don't, I feel great. I it's number one. I find for me, maybe it's because of the liver damage I did with the steroids is that caffeine just keeps going in my system and it makes me high as a kite mm. and I feel fantastic, but I have this major, major crash mm. and I will have chocolate if I'm out at a restaurant. So is it self-sabotage? Well, some might, people might say so, but what we need to do is go with what we feel like at the time. And if we feel like the self-abuse is getting too frequent in our life, we really have to go back to say the material that I give my clients in terms of reprogramming audios, Mm -hmm. reprogramming visuals, and really start watching how we're thinking. Like you said, you have to have some positive, anything. If you feel like you're self-abusing, you have to make sure you coat yourself in positive imprints to pull out of that. Yes. I would not considering two espressos a year self-abusing. Yeah. But if I started to go back to it more frequently, yeah, I would start sort of combing, reverse engineering where I'm getting back to hurting myself. Yes. And we like all, what you just do, said, we all do it. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. What you just said, we got to coat ourselves basically in higher caliber vibrations and mantras and uh, approaches to life and what we're looking at and hearing you know it's like people say you are what you eat what you drink and especially what you think and I was on a silent six-day silent retreat a few years ago I was doing the mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher training program and as part of that you had to do two silent retreats and I was in tears and I was crying and I had been also doing the kundalini yoga teacher training two very different approaches to sort of spirituality the kundalini yoga is like here's a mantra for this, or, you know, it was very active. Whereas the Buddhist lineage is like, just sit with yourself. And I could see the benefit of both, but I was going to ask you, like, what do you think in terms of like, is, is there a better way? Are they both beneficial? Cause I, I was finding like, I had to leave the silent meditation area and go do some Kundalini yoga, do go do some breath work. I guess maybe because of my addictive past, I kind of, what I did was I substituted cocaine for Kundalini yoga Right. And, and then when I was forced to just sit with myself for six days, it's like I didn't have enough coding yet of positive mantras and self-love. And I spoke with the meditation leader and he said, well, did you realize before you come to a silent retreat, according to the Buddhists, you actually need to be doing at least one year of self-love meditation, which is like the metta may I be strong and healthy, may I be happy, may I be filled with ease. That's the precursor, the prerequisite. And I was like, I didn't know that. Thanks for telling me. So it's like, we got to code ourselves first before we do the the full-on mindfulness Buddhist where you're just sitting with yourself. I think you're working exactly as designed. (laughs) I think you and I have grown up in a society where the repetitive content is about self-abuse. And I think with your this the two trainings that you're doing, you're trying to wrangle yourself out of the system and up into your full potential. Hmm. And I think the repetitive content that the people who rule us have been putting out over the past 30 years that would have you know really been brought in by us in one way or another is very negative. 
but I, I congratulate you on getting off this because what they don't tell you getting off the cocaine is because what they don't tell you is your body is the original cell phone tower. Mm. And that's why it's sort of difficult for some people is because your head is the transmitter receiver. And even if you say nothing, your vibration is going out and affecting others. Mm. So the, the stronger we can be, we don't have to say anything because our vibration will enter the room before we do. And mm. that's why they put cell phone towers on mountains. And that's why they always sometimes uh, prefer meditation on mountains because your signal goes farther. Mm. Right. Exactly. So I always like to go up on a oh, healthy day to the top of my condo, have a nap. And try to let, you know, I'm not imagining this because if you go to like the hundredth monkey syndrome with those researchers in the Japanese islands, there is a transmission out of each and every one of us that the others can pick up subconsciously. Yeah. So it's important we're strong. So I'm happy you're just doing your work and doing your yoga and not doing cocaine because I would feel that in one way or another if you were on the coke and mm -hmm. you would feel my unhealthy habits as well. So right. I quit drinking and drugs too, as much for me as the people around me. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh yes, I remember um, when I was doing when I was deep in the coke. I mean, I wasn't doing it. But I was doing it like several times a month, and I was yeah hanging out with my family. And because my nervous system was so shot, I was holding like my nephew, and I was finding it hard to even just hold him. Like yeah. I was kind of like, uh, like it was so. I just felt so feeble and so weak and it was really, really dark. And I would have died from fentanyl. I mean, my, my poor cousin died of fentanyl left behind his young three-year-old daughter. He, he just was doing a little bit of Coke recreationally to write songs one night and it was laced with fentanyl, which so much is in Vancouver. Oh, and I would have, any sense. Well, yeah, it does, man. yeah, it's crazy. I would have, I would have died, but it was because of my German new medicine teacher, Annalie. She's 80 now. She's amazing. She kind of took me under her wing. And I remember one night when I was doing the drugs, her face came into my consciousness. And I just thought like, wow, she, she loves me. She believes in my potential so much and I'm squandering my potential. I need to stop. And I called her the next morning and I was crying and I told her that I'd been doing the drugs. And she kind of yelled at me in an assertive way. She said, you're supposed to get high by like performing or teaching spin or, you know, being in nature. And, uh, you know, thank God for our mentors, right? Because sometimes you just need one person to believe in you to kind of start the process of breaking free. Yeah, unfortunately, we live in a system where the pe the people, the government maintains its power by destroying our power. Mm -hmm. So the more we maintain our power and use it in our own sphere, the less powerful they are. Mm -hmm. So I tell people just if you, I can understand if people want to, get back at Fauci or these black magic sorcerers that manipulate the information. If you want to do your part, be healthy mm -hmm. and let your vibration flow other over others. And the best health book I find, one of them is Paul Check's book, how to eat, move and be oh, healthy. Nice. It's C H E K. Yeah. He's a, he's a great uh, mentor of mine and if any, just be healthy, because to be honest with you, with the vibration, uh, we have a battle between good and evil spirits here, and the healthy spirit is the good one. Totally. And it's like, we're, we're taught to not stand out too much or look weird. Like, 
in these little parks in Vancouver, they're doing a test pilot project where they're allowing alcohol to be consumed in these certain designated areas of the parks and the beaches of Vancouver, you know, and that's being, that's being normalized, right? Poisoning yourself in public. Yet when I go and do breath work in my earth runners, people are looking at me and doing all the things. And, you know, one, one French guy, I was going for a run around Stanley park in my earth runners. And I love these earth runners because they're anchored, they're grounded. They've got a right. copper piece on the bottom. So I feel like it's a really good way to mitigate like EMF exposure and just get more anchored. And he's like, Oh, you think you're so cool. You're running around Stanley park and your flip flops. And I'm just like, it feels good, man. You should try it. <laughs> you know, we're, we're taught to kind of like demonize people who do things differently. Well, that's part of the herd mentality as well. When the guy would attack you, he's actually signaling to his tribe that I'm with you guys. I'm not with him. So accept me more because I'm I'm defending the tribe, a bit of a warrior of the tribe. Right. So when people attack me, they're usually just defending their turf and trying to mark themselves as loyal to their cult. That's right. why they that's why they attack me. I never take it uh offensively. I just try and tell people just try to be healthy. It's it's really important. And what's funny is that the Japanese government, if you, you can look this up online, it just came out about three months ago, the Japanese government, which of course is these ancient ruling families who master in this psychological manipulation skill, is mm -hmm. that they noticed that the alcohol consumption was going down in the society. They're giving financial incentives to increase alcohol consumption. Now oh what they found, God. yeah, this is, it's even worse than that. They found in all the, I mean, every brain, every research study regarding mind control, which is just basically someone reacting to the, the repetitive content that's put in front of them. If they're infused with any sort of uh, poison, they adopt the repetitive uh, sort of behavior as their own easier. Right. So if, they, if people stop drinking and eat healthy, there is a part of us that's natural without chemicals that does want to belong. But we want to belong so much more uh, intensely if we're chemically infused. That's what the chemicals are for. There's the mind control, and then there's the poison, and the poison is just there to make us adhere to the mind control harder. That's why when you go to the movie theater, they have the cat, you know, the chocolate, and the you know, oh, the it's pop so bad with the tartrazine, like things that have been known to cause ADHD in the chocolate. I noticed last time I was at the movies, and they they need that because. There is like I could mind control someone in movies alone, but if I can get them sort of screwed up on chemicals before they come in, like caffeine and the pop, it's just so much easier to put those uh, repetitive behaviors into them. Is it because it kind of like fucks with your frontal lobes? Yes. <laughs> That's what, so you, uh, the frontal lobe is sort of the care and control center of the body, of the mind that's supposed to sort of check ideas before you vomit it out into the real world. I like your and, bodyguard oh, analogy. That was yeah, good. Yeah, the Joe and the Rex. <laughs> but if I chemically infuse you, the frontal lobe or what's called the prefrontal cortex just behind the forehead, it starts losing blood flow and it can actually be inhibited fully. And that means you're being reactive. Mm. And you're scared because chemicals scare you. This is the average person might think that they understand their fight or flight reaction if they're getting mugged, but you only have one and mm. it's, it's a, it's a baseline reaction to a threat to your lifespan. So if you're eating the tatrazine, 
you get a fight or flight reaction because it's a poison and that's a, th a threat to your lifespan. So whether you're getting mugged or you're eating mm. poison, your fight or flight goes off. And yeah, and if your fight or flight system goes off, your frontal lobe shuts down. This is the thinking part. Your fight or flight, your limbic system is back here. It's reactive. Yeah. And when you're reactive, what you the only thing people have been shown to react to is what's the crowd doing? Right. So I can be safe. It's not it's not like this huge plethora of options of reaction. It's like, what is the herd doing? I'm going there. So that's yeah. why they like to poison you because you're more group based compliant when you're toxic. And this is why there's this is why the drugs are running free up in the BC area. But that's oh, just yeah. going to wave over into the rest of Canada because the higher and more unhealthy a population, the more they'll do what the TV tells them. Oh, totally. And yeah. I think of the opioid crisis in, in, in BC, and I think of how like they demonize things like Kratom. I don't know if you've heard of Kratom. Yeah, Kratom, yeah. So, and that can be addictive in, in and of itself. But in terms, like, I don't know anybody who's died of Kratom, but I know many people, friends who've died of opioids, uh, synthetic opioids. And so it's, it's like they're, they, they demonize. And then if you type in Kratom on Google, it's like, well, this person's died. But then if you actually read the fine print, they had crystal meth and heroin and other things in their system and a little bit of Kratom, of course, they're going to blame the natural leaf, right? Yeah. And this, this group is so old. I don't want people to leave without understanding how old this group is. It was the UK Royals that mastered this, that with the opium wars in the late 1700s, it wasn't really a war. The British cruisers, the wooden boats would come very close to the Chinese ports and they would just throw the opium onto the dock because the Chinese were like, we're not letting this group in. We've heard they destroy everything they touch and they were right. But then people would get a hold of the opium and then they just weaken the population mm. would be so, like just like what's happening today in Canada. Don't have to fire a shot. They can walk right in because everybody's so messed up. Right. Their brain function is so off balance that they can't assess truth from lies. And most people are literally living out lies as truth today, thinking poison will make them healthier. The yeah. government's there to protect them. Their vote counts. Like these are ideas that are lies and people believe them. And if you believe a lie is truth, there's one sort of quantitative result of that is when you believe lies is truth, you get pain. Right. Like if you think you can fly and you walk out my six story balcony here, you will get pain because of what you believed was a lie. Yes. Lies bring pain. And that's why so many are in pain. Your doctor's not there to make you healthy unless you're in a yeah. car accident. Yeah. They wear a white butcher coat for a reason. <laughs> Uh, these things people are missing and be, and you see the more lies they carry, the more pain they will be in. Right. And then when you see friends, dear friends, you know, having their fifth shot, sixth shot, having the miscarriages, losing their vision in one eye, having the myocarditis, it's like, you know, if there's people who are super close to you, how do you, it's like, sometimes you can't really, or maybe is it the whole David Hawkins thing and what you've been talking about the hundredth monkey theory. It's like, sometimes the best way to help those people is to not try to convince them, but rather just be it and let your frequency, let the person you're becoming influence them in a more subconscious way. That that's important to know as well, that 90% of learning is nonverbal. So as you're eating your healthy meal and they're having their hamburger, 
you know, if you're eating next to them and don't say anything, you don't have to really say anything. When I was, um, I remember when I used to eat with my daughter and we wouldn't say too much. I would fix her dinner every uh, breakfast every morning before she went to school. And I would not make that decision now. She's an only child. I would, I've, I've been voting to get my daughter out of public school for a long time. Uh, my wife was, says no otherwise. But basically, mm -hmm. we would eat broccoli and cauliflower and chicken. And, and so when she would go to other people's houses later, she would just ask for broccoli and cauliflower for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And people would look over <laughs> like, they're, like she had two heads. But the fact is, we will mimic what we see on a repetitive basis. Right. So if you give people something positive to mimic, then you don't have to say anything to make the impact on them. And in the hundredth monkey syndrome, your positive higher vibration of health is actually being picked up somewhere in their system. Mm -hmm. It's like the McClintock effect. That's where they studied oh. women, women at sororities and they would have their periods sync up. Right. No one's going to say, you know, Judy caught Phyllis's period like a cold, which we right. know this is viral theory. It doesn't make, make any sense. But mm -hmm. the fact is there was something, there was an invisible communication between the sorority sisters where there, there was a, a mimicking of the metabolic system. So mm -hmm. your metabolic health can transfer over to other people just by you being near them. And the healthier you are, the stronger your, your frequency, like a big booming radio station frequency, you can wash over them just by walking past them. Right. I love that. It's so much easier than feeling like you have to change the world. I listen to David Hawkins a lot as I go to sleep. There's something yeah. on Audible, the ultimate David Hawkins library. He's a lot more funny in his lectures than when he just reads his books. Right. And he's talking about people are always saying, how can I help the world? He said, the world doesn't need to be helped. The best way that you could help the world, in quotes, is to you know meditate in a cave the rest of your life. And it's, it's who you become. It's the frequency that you give off that helps the world. And he said, people's brain chemistry is different when it's below 200. 200 is the critical point where your frequency starts to be able to stand on its own two feet and support life. He said 85% right. of the world is still below 200 in fear, guilt, shame, apathy, rage, all those vibrations. And he said, because their brain chemistry is different than somebody above 200, if you're always just talking love and light and all this stuff, you it just goes right over their heads because their brain chemistry isn't, a, isn't in a place to understand or receive it. Mm -hmm. So that always resonates with me when I'm tempted to like, try to like convince somebody. I'm like, no, William, just like, just chill. Just keep engaging in your good daily habits that keep you in your highest. Cause as you say, that's the best sort of act of rebellion that we can possibly engage in is the self-care and the good daily habits. Yeah. And the meditating in the cave, we all would envision a cave in a mountain and the mountain helps the vibration as well. Just like I was mentioning earlier, they found mm -hmm. a new passage in the Giza pyramid. I imagine they would go in the Giza pyramid and use it as a vibratory mechanism where you'd have some sounds or, I mean, I don't think they used it for good at the end, but I think it was uh, <laughs> used for good at the beginning where people, if you sit around stone as well, your vibration can go even farther. I love that. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. going to be getting up to the mountains probably today after this. Yeah, you definitely, your, your signal will go farther. It's really I, interesting. And this kind of ties into a couple of things I wanted to touch on is I, I'll put my earth runners on and then I'll run. I live in Cool Harbor in Vancouver. I'll run across the Lionsgate bridge 
and I'll, I'll like take some like American ginseng or something before and some bee pollen. And then I'll just like kind of get in like a groove and I'll start to like run up into the British properties. And then like one time I ran to the base of the grouse grind and then I did the grouse grind and it was a little excessive, but it was like really fucking fun. And so I did read one of your, your memes once and I was trying to find it for this interview and I couldn't find it, but it was something about like marathon runners, drug addicts, this and that are all people who basically didn't get enough love as children and now they're kind of abusing themselves and i i agree to that to a degree like i think of the women who run like marathons every month and they're losing their period and they're totally emaciated and almost dead and i'm just wondering is there a differentiation between is there a healthy way to run marathons is basically in your opinion is there uh, that would be a tough one. But in self-sabotage coaching, we don't label anything based on one behavior. That's an absolute no-no. Mm. So if someone's a marathoner, it means nothing to us unless that's why there's 120 questions. Mm. So if they were to run a marathon and start the morning with three espressos, we're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and then they finish the marathon and then they're drunk down at the bar. And then they're watching war movies at night. And then they show up to our self-sabotage uh, consultation with a shirt that says killing it. I would be <laughs> like, uh, okay, there's some death themes in, right. your, in your programming. And that would just be five examples. But yeah. there's a lot, or they'd have a tattoo of a skull, then a snake. And I'm just, because we, 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 we unpack it all. I see because because the way someone does one thing is the way they do everything, but it will be disguised as everything it's not. Right, right. I see. So, so it's more of a mosaic. It's it, you're I'm not looking saying for don't the run. Pattern. No, I'm not saying don't run. I'm saying is this person, you know, abusive to themselves? Where they're you know they're hard mm -hmm. on themselves mentally, they're hard on themselves physically. There, there's there's a lack of love potentially and then you go back in their past and maybe they had a perfectionist parent mm -hmm. which means perfectionist parenting has nothing to do with being perfect mm -hmm. has everything to do with them telling their children that nothing is ever enough right so that can lead to a lot of self-abuse i see yeah because they keep trying and trying and trying. Nothing's ever good enough to keep going. Mm -hmm. So there, there's lots of patterns we look for as self-sabotage coaches. Cool. But generally, you know, if someone's running an Ironman and, you know, eating non-organic food, drinking coffee, getting drunk after their events at the, at the celebration. I'm the like, beer garden. There's a, there's a run in Vancouver where you run around the park and then you finish by getting shit faced at the beer garden together. That's absolutely <laughs> what it, that's, yeah. And even like in university, uh, we would go to these fraternity games. I mean, it seems like the, the devil's playground when I look back at it, but we would do chugging competitions and then oh, we'd God. run a, a race and we'd get uh, five points for a spinning puke and 10 points for a running puke. And I mean, it's just self-abuse after self. And that's what we're getting programmed is fun and comedic. And this is a very dangerous program to have in the subconscious for sure. I see. I see what you mean. Yeah. The way yeah. you do one thing is the way you do everything. That's a really important yeah, either do it, you do it in a loving way or you do it in a real hard way. And mm -hmm. a lot of people who, you know, I always, we have a couple of categories of self-sabotage. Uh, one is the failure to thrive when they just don't do anything for themselves that would make themselves healthy. They're really rare. 
but you know, mm. military services up there too. Yeah. Uh, those are the guys that are doing the Iron Man's and then yeah. drinking the beer, drinking the coffee, going to bed too late. And their job is like, you know, shoveling shit down at ABC Dirt Factory. Like everything is hard, hard, hard. Yeah. So that's the pattern we're looking for. I see. Last topic, speaking up. How do you respond to people who are afraid to speak up about important issues because of potential backlash or consequences? I try to lead by example. So if you listen to one of my podcasts or read any of my articles or read any of my memes, I try to give tutelage in that area because I because people have given me teaching in that area. Like my voice is not really just my own. Mm-hmm. I've listened to Michael Tessarion. He can speak truth very sharply. Mm-hmm. I've listened to Ru- Dr. Russell Blaylock when he talks about medicine or vaccines. <clears throat> it's like, wow. And so I listen. I don't know if you know who Kevin Jenkins is. Yes, I've heard that name. Uh, he's a leader in the black community. I will tell you, if there's a corrupt politician around and Kevin Jenkins starts speaking, I would advise that person run for cover. Because <laughs> he is such a sharp leader with his tongue. Mm. So I have put myself around and coded myself with, you know, sharp truth speakers mm-hmm. that don't mince their words. And then I try to pay it forward by being the repetitive voice where someone, and what's funny is when I, I hear some people that listen to me a lot and they use my phrases they use the way I talk. They describe things the way I describe them. And I'm beaming ear to ear because that means I did exactly what I intended to do. I am not insulted that they use my phrases. I just happy that they're speaking truth. So that's awesome. It just, it just means the person's got to get around some truth tellers mm. and then their, their subconscious will naturally mimic it. And of course, if you want to be financially successful as well, it's about time management and there's nothing more time savvy than telling people the truth on your team, telling the world the truth. You can, I mean, the shortest distance between two lies is the truth. Mm-hmm. I tell people that all the time. So just, you can be really efficient with your time by learning the art of truth as well. Very mm-hmm. pinpointed with your message. It can help your wealth grow. It can help your health grow. And if you're not really used to it, if you're sort of afraid of the world, I'll let you know you haven't taken your proper rite of passage from child to adult in the tribal circle. But mm-hmm. that's that can go as an insult. Maybe just come into the tribal circle and hear some elders like me talk about truth and how we present it. And then you can mimic our lead going forward. I love that. Yeah. The reason why I asked that is I had a sort of a new uh, friend in my life and they were saying, you know, I was speaking up, but then I got nervous um, that the government was going to come after me. And, you know, what you're doing is great, but you're really making a sacrifice, Will. And, you know, people come, the government comes after people who speak up. And and I said, well, you know, we could all get hit by a bus tomorrow. Like, um, and all my mentors, they're doing fine. Kelly Brogan's doing great. Uh, Dr. Kaufman, Dr. Cowan, Tom Barnett, we're all, we're all, you know, supporting each other. And I think it's, co- as you said, coding yourself in truth tellers so that you don't feel alone. Yeah. And yeah. And even if you do feel alone, there's a, if you're strong and healthy, it's not intimidating. Mm-hmm. And cause you, you know, you're not real. I I'm strong enough physically 
financially, spiritually, and intellectually to hold myself alone for long times. Mm. But but I do come, I like to come back and interact with the humans, like I call them, <laughs> to come back and interact with the humans because we definitely need that to recharge, but never be afraid to build enough strength where you can be on your own as well. Because many times mm. I have felt on my own and you just have to center yourself and draw in your power and know that you're on the right mission. And I'll tell you, um, with the unveiling, I've never had so much uh, people coming up to me and celebrating what I've done for the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. When I go to conferences, uh, I feel like a a star. People are asking me for my autograph. People are taking pictures with me. It feels great. And that's the rewards that you get when you tell the truth. Oh, yeah. Well, you will get the rewards. It might be a bit of delayed gratification, but the rewards will come financially, uh, spiritually, where you feel like you're really doing something for humanity, which is the dream of all human souls. I love that. Yeah. I mean, just uh, last night, I was uh, invited to to some function this morning. I said, oh, I, I'm interviewing somebody for my show. And my friend, she's this awesome nurse uh, dissenter here in Vancouver. And um, she's like, oh, who are you interviewing? I was like, oh, he's this amazing guy named Jason Kristoff. She's like, I love that guy. And she was like texting me how much she's a fan of you. So your your reach has really reached all around the world for sure. And That's I 100% I agree. And and you get, we we all get some hate, but I always notice it's like for every one dissenter, there's 10 new people who are like, thank you, Will, for speaking up. Yeah. And if I, if you ever engage with a dissenter, I never engage directly with the dissenter. I will respond, but I'll respond knowing that 20 other people are reading my response and going to mimic it. Mm. Sometimes I'd let loose a little bit if they get too rude, but mm. I will always cite, I'll use citations, this movie, this documentary, this book. Because the 20 people watching, forget the dissenter, the 20 people watching the conversation are going to go to those citations. You're still educating when you're battling with someone who you know, just watches the TV every night. That's great. Do you mean um, like sometimes I'll get like a DMs? How dare you? You know, you're the gay community is so vulnerable and you're saying HIV isn't a thing. And you know, sometimes I'll take a screenshot and then I'll do kind of what you said and I'll give articles and books and sometimes it'll get them really pissed off. So usually I don't have their name included, but even then they're like, I didn't give you permission. I'm like, well, I do want to make this a teaching moment. Absolutely. You make it a teaching moment when you, I mean, you put, um, it was brass check TV that made HIV AIDS Fauci's first fraud. Yes. That is, that that. is a very important documentary made by brass check tv and it still is stuck in germ theory but i think it's it's good nonetheless it's still good to just highlight the azt yes which of course is you know and the similarities between the two cons yes right i agree too yeah i sent that to people who aren't yet um they think I'm nuts for, for saying things like there's no virus that's ever been isolated. Yeah. But at least that movie, it's a good bridge because it, as you said, it talks about how, you know, AZ, AZT killed so many people. So that's a, and a lot of people who were not ready to hear that prior to 2020 are now like, that makes so much sense. Thank you for sending this to me. Right. And then the next time there's some kind of big issue with a miracle solution maybe they'll think twice. And that's that's what the education is for, is not yes. to force their hand. The truth can't be forced. It has to be learned. Yes. 
right? That's the most important thing. Speaking of speaking up, what do you think happened to Kerry Mullis? Very weird, you know, 2019, August, he passes away, you know, his whole PCR speaking out, like if he had continued to speak out and be alive in 2020 beyond, like, because some people are like, look what happened to Kerry Mullis. If you speak up, they get you. I'm like, well, who knows what happened to him? Well, I don't know what happened to Mollus, but if I was in Las Vegas with a time machine, I, I would bet he was uh, removed. Mm. I, I can't say for sure, but if I were to bank a bet and weigh my odds of winning that bet, I would say it was the heart attack gun or whatever, some kind of poisoning. Mm. Yeah. So that I guess what I'm hearing you say is there are risks to speaking up, but one can fortify oneself to make yourself less vulnerable to any sort of attack. Yeah, someone like Mollus would, you know, would be a pretty big target. And uh, to be honest with you, sometimes our role as uh, males here on the planet is to put ourselves in harm's way. We're not here, it's not gonna be a bubble wrap joyride. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I don't need the handrails and it's if I'm gonna look for super safe, I'll get a job down with the government. Exactly. And uh, my soul will leave and I'll be miserable on antidepressants and ripped up on coffee and booze and watch Netflix all the time until I die and have a pension that's not worth anything because the inflation's made it worth nothing. Mm -hmm. If I want it safe, that's my path. Yes. And, uh, and I don't want it safe because it's not a life worth living. Exactly. I saw a quote yesterday. Uh, Most people die at age 25, but they're not buried until they're 75. And they just walk around dead till the Grim Reaper comes and gets them. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, last question is kind of just like, what do you, what do you eat? What, or what's your morning routine? How do you, cause you don't drink coffee. What sort of, how do you get all jazzed up for the day? Well, my morning routine, I always start with the nighttime routine, try to get to bed by nine 30, stop eating at six. Um, I wear my orange glasses, the, the blue blocking glasses the night before, if I'm going to do any sort of work on the computer, nice. get to bed, take a shower. I don't, I think the shower, the water grounds me. Of course, I have chlorine filters on my shit for my nice, shower water. I use only organic soap. I get up uh, naturally. I've never gotten up with an alarm. I've always been sort of independent, an independent businessman, but of course, as an independent businessman, I'm up at five or six anyway. And right now I'm doing some work on my kidneys. So I'm doing this elongated fasting until 12 noon. Nice. And then I will have some organic sauerkraut, uh, organic, maybe half a patty of organic hamburger. Mm. I would have some organic blueberries or raspberries. I'd have some organic ginger beer and I would be drinking water the whole time, clean fil filtered water, between the time I get up and the time I would stop drinking the water an hour before I eat to give my stomach the ability to cleanse itself perfectly and make sure it's empty. So then when the food comes in, it has the proper, proper concentration of hydrochloric acid. If anybody really wants to know my full routine, I have a podcast on my SoundCloud. You could put it up if you want, Will. Yeah, totally. um, I think it's like, five down from the top it's just basically what i do to stay healthy and it's my whole routine okay awesome thank you and it's just it's it's about building my power because my health will determine my financial power as well 
totally. And then my intellectual power, my vibration to change the people around me and the community I live in. So yeah. it's it's all tied together. Is health isn't just about, you know, like my hair, I don't dye it. I'm 53 and I don't wow. dye my beard. I know I don't. So I don't, health isn't just about a physical appearance. This is sort of, we've been led astray. It's a vibratory presence yes. in the tribe you're in that can wash over people like the hundredth monkey effect, which is documented real. Yes. That you can transfer and the the health is the higher vibration. So if I'm in a plane and there's some low uh, people around me that like a lower vibration, maybe ha like it's easy to sp see people eating the airplane food yeah. and there's Wi-Fi now. I have Wi-Fi protection devices I wear on me from Aries Tech. But nice. basically, I believe my vibratory coding can take not forever, but I think it can take a plane ride. Right where I, there's more of them, but I think I'm vibing so high that I'm protecting myself in a very unique way. That's beautiful. And it's mm -hmm. so it's synchronistic. All the food items that you just broached, I had exactly that dinner last night with my parents. And Good. it's so cool because, you know, they never, they're medical people and they never did anything about eating organic or anything growing up. But I feel like I've kind of rubbed off on them a bit because we, my mother got these beautiful, she made beautiful grass fed, grass finished burger patties. Oh, and that's great. we had some yogurt with some organic blueberries and um, just, yeah. And sour, we had sauerkraut, organic sauerkraut from uh, wild brine, super yummy. And it's, uh, yeah, it's so great. And it's so great. And, the, and it's interesting. I found that I found a common ground with, with my dad on uh, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Good. Anything yeah. to help connect because it really, yeah. it, you know, we're we're beings that need to connect. Yes. And we can feel comfortable. It can raise our vibration and it can raise our strength that we know other people have our back and protect us. We come together as a tribe instead of being individuals. Mm, amen. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Jason. It's been really, really profound speaking with you and uh, I know that this podcast is going to resonate with uh, my audience and it's going to help continue to spread that vibration of, of truth and love. So thank you. You're very welcome, Will. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. And where can people find you? It's um, You've got an online school. I was Googling you last night. Well, basically, I think the best thing they can do is just get on my email list. Perfect. Uh, just e just email me personally at jason at freedomfromselfsabotage.com. I am mm -hmm. on Facebook timeout many times. I'm on Instagram. But my email system is where you can I, I can post real truth and be sharp. And that, that just means I don't need a, a long article. I'll tell you exactly how things are in a very short amount of time. And the education mm -hmm. goes better like that. I love that. I'm on Jason's uh, mailing list and I can vouch that it's awesome and inspiring. And yeah, there's no sugarcoating, which is the way yes. I prefer it. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks everybody for tuning in and I'm sure you can agree with me. That was one of the most epic interviews of this entire uh, podcast. It's always so freeing to connect with another like-minded man who is not afraid to speak out. And, you know, the whole transhumanist agenda is promulgating this pinching off of the divine masculine, you know, a society full of big, strong alphas with well-functioning endocrine systems is a threat to the matrix. So as Jason reified during the interview, 
best thing we can do as men and women uh, and everybody in between is to take really good care of ourselves. And for me, that's all about superfoods and detox, sexual kung fu, a.k.a. sexual transmutation, and uh, semen retention if you're a man. And if you would like some help with that, head over to willblunderfield.ca and also head over to courses.jchristoff.com and check out Jason's amazing work. If, it, if at the very least, get onto his mailing list. And as Jason reified, it's important to surround ourselves with people who are, you know, going in the direction that we want to go. And mentorship is the most important thing I find. Somebody to hold you accountable and to share the technologies with you that actually work in terms of transformation. And I love Jason's tool shed analogy. It's like, yeah, you're going to go back to the self-sabotage tool shed here and there. Do not beat yourself up for it. Try to stay out of the tool shed for longer and longer periods of time. That's what it's all about, baby. I'm going to leave you with a song that I wrote called Pull Through. And I wish you all the best. And be sure to like and subscribe and share this podcast far and wide because we are very, very censored. Uh, My YouTube channel has been deleted twice. You guys know that all my platforms ranging from TikTok to uh, even Twitter. Twitter's better now that Elon Musk took over. But prior to that, I was getting flagged and deleted because I talk about medical freedom and because I talk about Tantra. And these are two very hot button issues that the Matrix doesn't want you knowing about. So like, subscribe, share. I love you. Have a great day.
life and 